The views and opinions expressed by the hosts of Black Talk Radio News and any guests represents their views and their views only and do not necessarily represent the views of the Black Talk Media Project or the Black Talk Radio Network. Broadcast of Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed, broadcasting from behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. on this Friday afternoon as people are closing out the week for those that work on those five-day work weeks. Many people needing seven in today's economy, but I'm sitting in today. I'm doing a, a, a live broadcast. Of course, will be podcasted of BTR News because Tando uh, Dave is uh, dealing with some clients and has some stuff that he had pre-planned and could not do Tando Radio Show, so I'm just coming on air as I don't have a regular time, so I just do these impromptu broadcasts. Hope y'all was able to check out the broadcast with Kwabana Rasuli that we did. That might have been yesterday, day before yesterday, but it's certainly uh, in the podcast, so Check out that interview we did with him talking about the negative vibrations of this music, this records, as they say in the hip hop industry. But just the whole negative vibe that that spreads when you disrespecting another individual or group of people, the negative vibe and how that gets into our our energy, and then we, the people start uh, reflecting that what's being injected into us. So check out that interview again, that was with Kwabana Rasuli of Clear the Airways Project. Now what I will be talking about today is basically uh, white nationalism, racism, white supremacy, slavery, but we'll be focusing a lot on Donald Trump and particularly this recent appointment of his. Uh, it's not really a appointment, but he has nominated someone to be confirmed by the Senate to run an immigration agency, settling refugees. We'll get the details on that. And this guy that he's appointing is a white nationalist, has ties to white nationalists, not just allegations, but straight up ties to white nationalism and some very old, like 80-year-old white supremacists out there, um, you know, coming from this organization that was founded by this 80-year-old white male that lives in Detroit, Michigan. So, Donald Trump has appointed, let me pull up the guy's name. Uh, He has appointed this guy for Assistant Secretary of State for the Bureau of Population, 
refugees and migration. So this 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 is a um, a position that would be in the area that Donald Trump. We see a lot of activity from him on, and that's immigration. We're rounding up a bunch of migrants, separating them from their children, housing them in these private prisons. Uh, the Geo Group and Core Civic and and other smaller companies, pr uh, prison companies as well. Deporting a lot of people, although he's not deporting any more than George Bush or uh, Barack Obama. But Trump has been explicit in stating publicly uh, that he prefers to have white immigrants as opposed to those coming from those, and excuse my language, shithole countries is, is the language that he used. And of course, he was talking about countries like Haiti, Ghana, West African country, anywhere from Africa, Somalia. So now he's appointing what the SPLC reports as a person coming from a group called Center for Immigration Studies. And it's a hate group, according to them. And this is where Donald Trump has found his nomination for Assistant Secretary of State for the Bureau of Population. We hear people talk about population control. Population, refugees, and migration. All of that has to do with the control of people. So, we'll definitely be taking a look at this guy, Ronald W. Mortensen is his name. And here's just a brief excerpt. The SPLC reports on Thursday, President Trump nominated Ronald W. Mortensen, a fellow with the anti-immigrant hate group. This is the S uh, SPLC, the Southern Poverty Law Center, uh, has designated them as a hate group, the Center for Immigration Studies. And you might have seen this guy on Fox News or CNN. Who knows when they be getting these people from these think tanks and telling you they're a fellow of this foundation or that organization. Um, you have to really look into the background of these organizations. You never know who that man is sitting up there with Don Lemon or Wolf Blitzer or any other host of MSNBC or on Fox and Friends. Sean Hannity show. You have to look into the background of these organizations. When people talk about the hidden hands, these the hidden hands. Except for they not hidden, they hiding in plain sight. There's some organization to these things. There's some. It's not shrouded in secrecy, like you know when people talk about or or um, point to the Illuminati being behind this or the Illuminati being behind that which has this secret aura about it, but no, no, these people sit on boards, they sit on foundations, they have names, they have addresses, they have bank accounts. They are identifiable. And it's, it is what they call hiding in plain sight. So we're gonna take not only a look at Donald Trump, is Donald Trump, here's a question for you, is Donald Trump this nomination of a guy with such obvious ties to white nationalism is he throwing a bone to the white nationalists who he's cultivated their votes 
which explains his Charlottesville comment about good people being on both sides and him not coming out and just flat out condemning white supremacy violence. So here he is promoting the white nationalists or trying to promote a not white nationalist from propagandists and whatever it is uh, Mortensen has been doing for the Center for Immigration Studies. But now Trump's trying to put him into a position where he can carry out those things. And interesting enough, this organization that he's coming from was founded by a guy who believes in, guess what? Eugenics. He's 80-something years old. He was around doing Margaret Sanger and them during the time of the Nazis. And let's again, let's not forget where the Nazis got their ideals on race and racial purity from. Where did they get those America? And, and, and so this guy who is an American eugenist, the people who gave birth to the Nazi party in the world because they already existed as the Ku Klux Klan and whatever other names, red shirts or terrorist groups that they, they went by, but you know. So we're going to take a look at this place and this man, John Tatton. I believe that's how you, Tanton, might be how you pronounce it, John Tanton. Spell it T-A-N-T-O-N. Look him up. I provided the links for you in today's uh, program description, which you can find at BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. Look for the promo today, and you'll find all the links of the articles that I'm going to be pulling information from. So, I mean, think about this. Again, this guy comes from an organization founded by Eugenist, and he's going to the he's being nominated and again with strong white nationalist views these people want a euro ethno state hence Trump's comments about but why can't we get some people from places like Norway as opposed to these immigrants these non-white immigrants from places like Haiti and Africa we, we, we you know we don't want those less than desirables we you know so here's a guy with a eugenist background coming from a eugenist organization that wants to impact immigration policy. And here this guy is being promoted or nominated by Trump to be the Assistant Secretary of State for the Bureau of Population, Refugees, and Migration. Perfect position to push the ideology, the ethno, uh, Euro ethno state ideology for America. Wow. I mean, it's right. So it isn't hidden. It's right there in your face. It's being written about. So uh, when I hear say people say something's hiding, well, usually it's hiding right there in, in plain sight called paying attention to the details so we'll take a look at that during today but first hour I want to talk about C 
snitching, this idea of snitching, and how does snitching become so attached to black culture as if we black people invented snitching. And what, what is snitching? Snitching is like, okay, if I'm in class and let's say I throw, I try to play some basketball in the class with a balled up piece of paper and try to make a basket that's at the teacher's desk while she got her back to us writing on the blackboard and I miss and it hits the rim and it lands at her feet and she turns around and she asks who threw that paper and a person just immediately points out <laughs> Scotty you could define a snitch like that okay but really how it became attached to black culture was through hip hop through rap music through corporate rap music there's this whole campaign and no snitching really came out during the height of the crack cocaine epidemic and an article appeared in the Atlantic which a lot of people don't know historically was a white paper but an abolitionist paper I think it was founded in 1858, somewhere around there, prior to the Civil War. And it was known as an abolitionist paper, and it's still around. But they published the articles uh, talking about basically saying, should we be promoting snitching to cops? Should we call on cops to snitch? We know snitching is attached to black culture and people snitching and and all this and that on each other and so should we get cops to snitch and I'm asking the question do we want to use that word snitch since it has a negative connotation to it because also when I think of a snitch or you you might think of two people involved in criminal activity and then one snitches to the police on the other to save himself or 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 to prevent himself from being framed up and willing to tell a lie and frame an innocent person. So, you know, you look at those as snitches or informants, people that get paid by the police department, people that get paid by the FBI. In the FBI case, even to create plots and recruit people to those plots and then get them all busted by going to snitch. People making a lip, making good money doing that. But so if we want to promote to police officers, cops, law enforcement, if we want to promote them turning in people working in that same department, they may be riding as uh, in a car with them every day as they partner, working with them on cases as a detective walking that beat with each other and you see this person committing crimes and instead of you stopping that person from committing a crime a crime of assault or whatever illegal thing that they are doing instead of you stopping them you don't even report them to eternal affairs or to your supervisor it's too few of, of, of these stories. We've had some, but too few when you consider there's a million slave catchers out there. It's, you know, I, I do use that language, slave catcher, because of 
the police department's roots being in slave catching, enforcing the slave codes and what have you. That's where they come from. But you have too many of them for only to have, which I could probably think of, five cases off the top of my head. And then I'll be struggling to name those five. I know I could give you three, but it's not a whole lot of them coming forward, is it? For it to be estimated to be a million of these people in this profession. But what obviously has to be happening as displayed in this video, I don't know if y'all saw this video, where coming out of Mesa, Arizona, where you have, man, it looks like about eight cops. It was like four or five of them surrounding this man at this apartment complex. It looked like they were standing by an elevator in this apartment complex. And this man, with, armed with nothing but a cell phone and blackness, is with another man who allegedly was trying to break into his girlfriend's apartment. But this guy had nothing to do with it. I, I don't know the backstory, but he hasn't been charged with any crime. But the police surround him and give him some orders to sit down like a dog. You know, you sit on command. It's usually, you know, when you barking orders like that. Telling the guy to sit down, and the guy taking his time, and this is this is a forty-something-year-old man, actually, and cause he doesn't sit down right when you tell him to, you then beat him up and throw these and just all this this basically mob violence against this one man by a gang of slave catchers. So. We're seeing too many videos like that. And if it wasn't for the video, not all of it coming from body cams, because we saw the one case here recently in California where the dude was shot standing, the, the, the kid, the young man was shot standing in his own backyard. When all the police came, they all turned off their body cams. They heard being turned, turn off your audio, turn off your audio which is mentioned in this article from the Atlantic, which is saying to, you know, police star snitching. So, I'm going to throw that out there, share some of this article with you, and you're more than welcome to comment. You can give us a call today at 704-802-5056. That's 704-802-5056. You would hit star, star to unmute yourself. Always watch your background noise. Now, it's Friday, so I like to try to keep it loose, though. Not so serious, even though we, we are discussing serious things. But I also like to share some hip-hop and some music. So, let me find something to play for us as we go in, into this music break. But... So lots to talk about, but primarily, you know, and it's all interconnected, but Donald Trump, I mean, that's kind of bold right there in your face, right? When Donald Trump already accused of ties to white nationalism, and it's not that he's even tried to hide it. I mean, come on, David Duke, you know, coined them phrases, make America great again. Or make America great and America first. David Duke, y'all know who he is, right? 
politician, grand wizard of the Ku Klux Klan, out there on that campaign trail saying those same sort of uh, um, slogans because he created them. Now, before I go to music, I was reading this article about Spike Lee's movie, right, coming out and the guy who was researching the role. But anyway, somehow, and it wasn't from an entertainment site, and they said they talked to David Duke and is it true that Donald Trump got his phrases from you and his chance, America first and make America great again from you? And are you going to sue him for, you know, trademark infringement or something like that? And David Duke said, I kid you not, David Duke said, well, I won't sue him if he keep his promises to white nationalists. Now we're seeing a white nationalist, a eugenist, a race purist who works for an organization that's pushing a Euro ethno state being nominated by Donald Trump to become the second sec the assistant secretary of state for the Bureau of Population Refugees and Migration. Wow. You know, so We'll see. This guy gets, has to be nominated through the Senate. So let's see if any other senators ask this man any questions about his white nationalist background. And, you know, this kind of speaks to the infiltration. Again, people talk about the hidden hands. No, they right there in front of your face. They probably on TV being quoted as experts. They have these different press conferences and and, you know, so it's not, there's no hidden hands. These people, right, <laughs> doing everything boldly in your face. So we're going to take a station break, and then we will uh, come back and um, start off by reading a little bit from this article published in The Atlantic about po encouraging police snitching, which I want to say, no, we want them to, to report we wanted them to do like they would do somebody out there who doesn't have on a uniform. You see a crime being committed. What do you do? If you saw two civilians, if a police officer see two civilians fighting and he saw one just blatantly attack the other without being threatened, without any justification, and punches that person in the face, what, do you, what is the officer going to do? Char handcuff that person and charge them with assault. So why don't they do that? to that person standing next to them that they standing there watching. No, that's reporting. It's not snitching. It's, let's call it upholding the law. Let's codify it. Let's not attack, attach blackness to snitching. This is, this is reporting. We want to encourage new recruits or cadets or young officers out there that ain't been totally brainwashed by the slave catchers in that code. We want, to, we want them to show integrity. We want to use those type of words, show integrity. So, you're listening to Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed. We'll be back on the other side. Stay tuned. Radio. 
since 2008, providing new black media for the masses. Don't do a crime on the corner selling cigarillos Or a store cause I get your drink and figure we'll blow prejudice people all around us Look at cops, so much pain but stains the innocence Now look and watch how much the media gravitates The sadness, hate, distraction takes over You just let the madness break and look a little deeper The truth is there to teach us The freedom from bondage, belonging can finally reach us We gotta protect and take hold of what we're needing First to liberate oppressed people of this region It's gonna take time, patience and determination But if we rival what we survive through it takes a nation A ballot, a bullet, together we'll have retribution War, your home come along with your revolution Never fear, be brave in a moment We'll do it and rest in power, my brothers Because we are revolution Freeze! Don't move, black man I'm Puerto Rican Where you fit the description with that tan? Plus you look suspicious, so this is your last chance Please, officer, my baby says save me the last dance Last chance! Don't you see my hands up high? Ask anybody, I'm a stand-up guy I'm calm and collected, just look me dead in my eye Check my wallet, no Chris Wallace, I ain't ready to die But if my car couldn't stop well And I hit a minivan full of cops Would I get shot like Sean Bell? What if I needed help like Jonathan Pharrell? Would they clap me and handcuff me after my body fell? Would they give me one chance to show identification? Face down and unarmed in Fruitvale Station? So what chance was Oscar Grant or Sean off? None What if they had toy guns like John Crook? Can I live? Can I walk in the street with my kid? Can I be on the block even chill in my spot without catching something hot in the rib? Can it be too much to ask to be passively asked to see I be off rib? Can I get that courtesy before you try to murder me? USAPD, can I live? When freedom was bought and sold, the underground railroad created a need for the slave patrol. The Fugitive Slave Act was how they stole 12 years of slaves. Stacking fortune off the slave back, time for payback. Getting free men separate and way past unequal. Today is the sequel, the prison industrial complex. With high-tech lynchings in effect. Where cops are the lynch mobs who don't get punished. So much evidence of this, lack of proof to convict. For no indictment, not a trial, really suffer consequence. And you wonder why we riot, cause the cries don't get the gist. And we blocking up the highway and you mad about this. But you're simply not seeing the point. Don't get the drift that the system isn't broken. It is designed for this and it's passed overdue to create a rift. Do we do it by any means necessary? Yes. You guys coming out of that survival, huh? Get against the wall. Turn around, turn around, get against the wall. Don't worry about what's going on. What are you filming for? What are you filming for? Back up. Mr. Officer of Law, we stopped cause my eyes are sore. Yo, from what I just saw, you was breaking them legs and some jaws. And you trying to start a war cause your actions setting it off. Don't even take us to the mall. You're leaving bodies on the floor. This is raw. I said I can't breathe when you're making me cough. See, this a bloodbath scene. Leave me stains in the wall. Even in dying need, I ain't making a call. You took another man's seat. I don't pay you at all. And this is nothing to laugh. My people stuck on the graph. To you, this is talking pregnancy. We just in a blast. I look suspicious for Javanna too fast. When I try to preach my right, you say I'm stuck in the past. My body lunch in the back, and I get touched for a sack. You don't think it's whack that you don't need a war for that. I think it's funny how our government acts, and all I'm spitting is facts. The counterattack is a gun in the bag. 
this my genesis bringing my sonic to the system it's an old game they play called you're the villain a psychology automatically gives them the hero feeling this injustice make the super wrong man i'm revealing how you gonna kill a man and get paid leave reduce his life to a checklist killer ambition to me got the badge gun taser law you ready for war on our mid dead no weapon found those george bush thoughts what have you occupying the wrong area scarier they find the officer innocent though it's caught on camera now the officers are bad which is true let me vent if you see wrong don't say shit silence this consent i've had guns drawn on me and it wasn't even all never broke the law before how we end up at this bar this isn't about bragging on my skills that's my choice words are heavy gotta be strong to lift every voice a conversation with a friend sends me to descend to a stressful place again for acts i can't defend by the police he told me they harassed his ass walking home late at night because he is of working class he didn't deserve that but he didn't act up one cop turned the forward officer calls for backup handcuffs started searching his person with no regard then they slammed his face hard on the hood of the squad car they were asking where you going who you knowing what you smoking you ain't coming from work you are hustling you must be joking black man with a hoodie spirit never broken i was captivated by his story as he spoke it when he finished i began pacing my thoughts racing my fist balled tears fell with no hesitation my boy could have been dead if i walk home late one night in my next who protects us from them Many Rodney King ass beatings later, and I scream more than the why can't we get alongs? Why don't you see me in my clothes? All you see is threat, bare naked, brown skin, and all you see is threat. Why don't you see me pinned to paper, teeth ripping, scream? I matter, my life matters. I am art made carnate. I am music made flesh. I am soul, intelligence, passion, anger, mistake, flaw, correction, revision. I am heart, love, strength, weakness. I am music. I am music and you don't hear me. I am art. I am art and you don't see me. You see only target practice and kill shots. Kill shots saying, I'm unarmed. Kill shots saying, I can't breathe. Kill shots becoming the last scream of, I am human too. The dark brown human, light brown, wrong shade of brown, brown in baggy clothes, brown in hoodie, brown in fitted cap, brown skin moving, brown skin breathing, brown skin threatening, brown skin bullet pierced, police batoned, bleeding, brown skin dying. Now you see me. Hi, the Black Talk Media Project would like to invite you to become a member of the BTR Community subscription-based social media platform. BTR Community is a platform that was set up for the listening audience of Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black radio network online. For just $24 per year, your subscription gives you access to an interactive space to share information with like-minded people with your privacy guaranteed. 
Your subscription will go a long way to help us maintain and improve our current media platforms. It will also help provide a budget so that we can begin the task of establishing localized media centers and radio stations across the United States. The best way to show your support and appreciation for what we do here at Black Talk Radio is to subscribe. Help us to help you be informed. Join btrcommunity.com today. And welcome back to BTR News. Scotty Reed in on this broadcast from behind the enemy lines. I call USA Inc. The telephone number is 704-802-5056. 704-802-5056. We will go to those phone lines in just a moment here. I have been promoting this guy and as long as uh, he stays on point with his political and social analysis, I will continue to uh, promote his channel on YouTube. And I'm talking about Jamal Thomas and um, I'm going to play a video of him talking about this latest viral video clip out of Mesa, Arizona showing a mob of these slave catchers, some of them and let me make a quick note the victim in this case through his attorney said that race wasn't involved, they're not alleging racism, they're alleging that his civil rights as an American citizen was violated. A, a vicious, heinous crime was committed against him and it was all caught on tape. He was assaulted. He was brutalized by agents of the state. And some of those agents of the state was, you can guess it, black. And if you, if you haven't seen the video, the one who seems to be most vicious is the black one. The black slave catcher. I mean, he was the one really trying to knock the dude out with punches to to the guy's chin like he was trying to knock him out. And so, while in this specific case, legally, I see their strategy as, hey, we can't allege racism, you got a black slave catcher. See, them black slave catchers is to give them cover. Just like we have black representatives in Congress who say they go in there to represent the people, but then they sell out to these corporate interests. And y'all know how big money is in politics. So it's the same thing here. But it's still a violation of his human rights first. Then his rights as an American citizen, which found in the Constitution. I'm just speaking of codification here and that's perhaps why his attorney is coming out saying that so we gotta I, I want to play this clip of Mr. Thomas talking about it and he really goes in on them and you know I just think and he points out some facts there's some in the black community might seem controversial but I see as codified in showcasing white victims of uh police brutality as he's going to mention so as i load up this clip give me just a moment here we'll hear what he transform your business what mr thomas had to say well this is the actual report this first one is coming from 
CBS Evening News, and it was just published a couple of days ago. So this is the Mesa Police Department who are being investigating at the center of a beating video that went viral. So let's listen. Arizona, four officers have been put on paid administrative leave after surveillance video showed them violently beating a man. This follows a number of incidents in Mesa in which the police were accused of excessive force. Jamie Ucas is there. This surveillance video shows 33-year-old Robert Johnson leaning against a wall using his phone. Police say they asked him to sit down. When he didn't immediately comply, four Mesa police officers repeatedly punch and knee him before Johnson falls to the ground. Johnson's attorney, Benjamin Taylor. I don't care what race you are, what color you are, what age, what gender. Nobody deserves to be beat like that by police officers in this country. Three Mesa police officers and a sergeant are now on administrative leave. Police Chief Ramon Batista. I am disappointed in what I saw. There's going to be a special directive that says that uh, we will not strike somebody in the face or in the head unless they are showing us active aggression. Now let, let's stop it right there. I'm going to let the rest of it play. It's an, a minute more. And um, But why do you need a directive? I'm sure you already got directives that it's against the law or against police policy to brutalize American citizens like that. You should need a directive to look, guys, we just can't punch people. We're investigating something. These people haven't, these, you know, haven't committed a crime. They're not trying to assault you. There's just no reason for you to assault them because then it becomes, it is assault and we need to charge you. So we sending your case to the district attorney. Let me let me continue. Police were responding to a domestic disturbance call at an apartment complex. A woman had called saying her ex-boyfriend, a friend of Johnson's, tried breaking into her apartment. That's him casually sitting down against the wall. So he planned to sit down. He was scouching down, you know, but they came over there and they pretty much beat him up before they could do anything. Johnson's head was then smashed against the elevator. He was eventually handcuffed to his feet face covered. Batista recently took over a department already reeling from a string of complaints. Crawl towards me. The Department of Justice launched a civil rights violation investigation after this video surfaced showing a Mesa police officer fatally shooting Daniel Shaver in January 2016. Shaver was unarmed. The officer, Philip Railsford, was later acquitted of murder and removed from the police force. So I'm going to stop it right there. Now, I remember that video. Y'all didn't get to see it, but I wrote about it, talked about it, how this dude with an auto, uh, I'm sure since it was a police officer, it was an automatic, and it was squat, automatic weapons pointed at this man and making him big, I mean, crawl and grovel. And I mean, for a good minute, when all he had to do was tell the dude, lay down face first, see if he was unarmed. Put your hands behind your back. Go put the cuffs on him. You're going to make this man crawl on his knees and fear for his life. Like you getting some kind of sick pleasure from instilling that much fear into this person. And you see they unarmed and then you shoot them. Now the system rightly charged this cop with murder. But then you got these slave catcher fanatics out here, fans of the slave catchers and their brutality, who will even not convict them when the victim looks like them. I'm talking about white-on-white -white crime. 
white slave catcher on white citizen crime. And, 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 and these people on the juries still let them go, even with video. This is what we dealing with in this country. So, like I said, I wanted y'all to, to uh, check out what Mr. Thomas had to say. Let me find Mr. Thomas' uh, video. I thought I linked to it, but um, I know I got it posted uh, on our site as well. Let me just find it right quick. By the way, uh, just some side news. The uh, white settler that was seen on video shooting over the head of the other white settler on the big island of Hawaii where Kilauea is going off. That, that white settler in his 60s was a convicted felon, wasn't supposed to be in possession of a firearm, so he has been arrested um, and charged. I thought it was interesting, some white settler on white settler violence. That's how they took over that island, overthrew the kingdom of Hawaii. Uh, where is, okay, it's going to be called Explicit. Violent animals. This is what Mr. Thomas had to say about them. Call them violent animals. And post fun at their claim that this is when they look who bad. They are. When they're exactly who they are. That's what slave catchers did back in the 1800s, 1700s, 1600s. And they would probably rape if it was a female or a male, rape them, beat them. Don't, don't, don't tell, don't snitch, though, that I damaged uh, Mr. Charlie's property. Because he might demand some compensation for me chopping off half of Kente, Kun uh, Kente Kunta's foot. And now he can't pick as much cotton as he used to. So don't snitch on me. Say he fell down, did it to himself. All right, so anyway, this is Jamal Thomas commenting on it. Some strong commentary. Mm. I may have one more video after this. I wasn't even sure I was going to do this video. I I, I watched this video last night. Um, I was downstairs just randomly talking to my mom. She has this stuff on. And I'm screaming at the video camera. I'm screaming at the camera um, as it's taking place. And I'm giving a fair warning because the video is somewhat rough to watch. Um, and one of my subscribers, Noble Brown, sent me this video. It was the exact same video I watched the prior night. Uh, let's show the video first. It, cops brutalizing a human being. The video that was shown, I think, on the news program didn't have the sound and audio associated with it. Cops often, when they look bad, when they're brutalizing, beating, injuring, killing, or hurting somebody, and they want to try to show some other side of it, all of a sudden they release the information. Well, in this case, you have a full audio version of it, and it doesn't make it any better. It doesn't make it any better at all. You see the person after the fact cursing and screaming and everything else, but that's because they have beaten the living shit out of a person. Multiple thick neck brunt brutes punching and socking and kicking another human being. No attempt at de-escalation, just brutal terror. Your police force in action. You pay their fucking salaries. And these maniacs are roaming the streets. I, 
Yeah, let's take a look at it. Again, I give fair warning. We can talk about it after. There's four of us up here, we're good. So you got what you can't see is you got about five officers detaining uh, these two men. One's Hispanic, looks Hispanic, and the other's uh, African American, and they're there together. And apparently, the Hispanic man was trying to break into somebody's house. Get his arms back. I got him. You got him? I got him. Hold on. Watch this arm right here. Get his right arm. Get his right arm. I got, I got his left. Hey, I'm on you. Yeah, I feel I'm it. on you. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. And the guy hasn't resisted it, not even at this point. Wow. I understand that we have a capitalistic system. And in our particular system, we have to find ways in which we make a living. Meaning we find ways to either, we need to pay for our food, clothing, shelter, kids, family, whatever. Our lives. The way we make our way in the world. And we're stuck in this thing of trying to find aspects of ourselves that we can leverage in order to make our way in the world. Some people it's art. Some people it's the ability to lift things. Some people it's the ability to run. Other people it's mental energies. And you have another group of people who leverage other things they have other skills like depravity unempathy the ability to injure and hurt and the ability to do it repeatedly for somebody paying them to do so in this case the state um there is something problematic of putting a badge on people and allowing these thugs to roam free of the city like this with a certain amount of authority to beat and kick and injure and steal property literally on a whim knowing full well that the moment that they kill you that oftentimes they're going to get off unless they kill a banker in which case they'll probably walk I mean they probably wouldn't walk but under normal circumstances will walk do you know this is the same police department that murdered a guy as the guy laid down with his hands behind his head in the hallway, same police department, and that guy got off. Please tell me this is a problem. These people are maniacs. These people should not be roaming around the streets like this, unhinged in a way that they're unhinged. Any cop that you meet is essentially a hair's width away from murdering or killing somebody or injuring somebody. This is not a bad apple. These people, for the most part, 
are the norm from the standpoint of cops all throughout the United States. People always say this thing, oh, this is a bad apple, it's a bad apple. This is not a bad apple. It's the way they are. It's the way they're trained. If you're trained in every situation to think that you could possibly die, missing the fact that it's more dangerous being a trash man than it is being a cop. I would have more sympathy for garbage men killing people by accident because they were terrified as opposed to cops. A bunch of thick neck thugs roaming the streets, injuring human beings. There are ways to deal with issues in this world. There's a such thing as the capacity of de-escalation. If you notice, that wasn't something they tried. It wasn't even talked about. They proceeded to brutally punch him in the face over and over and over and over again. This is the same mentality where they ended up shooting a 12-year-old within two seconds of the guy of, of jumping out of the goddamn car. This is the same mentality where the guy ends up telling somebody to go for their license and then shoots him when he goes for the license. Or shooting the guy in Walmart, shooting the homeless guy that was naked, choking the shit out of the guy in New York. Are you fucking kidding me? This is wholly unacceptable if you're talking about your cops who are supposed to be out there protecting the law. What about this guy's rights? Did this guy lose his rights because he was interacting with a band of maniac thug cops? Wholly unacceptable. And that maniac Gary Kasparov, where you kind of bring up the point of, we have problems with our criminal justice system, calling you a Putin puppet because of it. These thugs are roaming all throughout the United States. They are a hair's width of beating you, kicking you, injuring you, and killing you, knowing full well that if you look like me, you would most likely, they will most likely skate. They will most likely skate. If you're a right winger, you understand that your notions of the Second Amendment and all this other stuff, if somebody, if you decided that you were going to have a rebellion, do you know who's coming to your house? Thick neck maniacs like this. Those are the edifices of state. Those are the edge of the state that you always scream and rail against. Brutalizing and beating the shit out of people like him. Do you understand these maniacs now have access to military equipment? Equipment that was used in the military coming back here on our soil in which people like this, who are literally on a hair trigger at any moment to which you would interact with them, now have access to. There are severe problems in the way these people are trained. If they can't deal with issues like this without resorting to brutality and violence like this, then there are severe problems in the way they are trained. This is not just Mesa. This is all across the United States. If you come across a good cop, he is a rare one in the bunch. Cops are trained in this particular capacity. And yes, they will stand by one another with this code of boys in blue and everything else, even over any notion of your rights and your safety and your sanity. Cops are dangerous. They're dramatically dangerous. I would wager that there will be no charges or no responses from this. Do you know that the supervisor in charge when talking about this said, it looks bad when you look at it on video. Yeah, it looks bad when they're punching the shit out of a person who's not doing anything to them, who's standing with his arms down. He's not doing anything, and your officers are repeatedly punching him in the face over and over again. That is the conduct of officers in this country in the United States. 
they like to say that this is not the norm. That is absolutely the norm. I have a friend of the family, a close friend of the family, actually. Son comes outside, a bunch of cops are pointing guns at him. Five cops pointing guns at him. One cop shoots. The other one follows suit. The guy did nothing. He did nothing at all. And then they said, well, I mean, he looked like he moved. They lost that lawsuit. Meaning that the family won the lawsuit. There were no charges brought against the officer. Here's the catch. That officer walked. He walked. Regardless of the lawsuit that was brought against him from the standpoint of civic charges, he lost his fucking son. People like this. These people are maniacs. They need a solution on them when they're going about their affairs. Kamala Harris, in a head case of saying, yeah, in an esoteric way, she supports these things, the, 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 police, um, the police cameras, but not necessarily to the degree that she was willing to implement them things herself. We need severe police reform in this country. We have a very violent, horrific culture in the way that we go about this stuff. Especially in the way that we believe criminal justice should be handled. We have this weird bias towards force. And I suspect that part of this has to do with the way we look at our military. Where we look at anything that takes place is perfectly okay to bash anybody else in the nose. And I suspect that carries on to some degree on how we deal with the citizens here in this country. Not to mention, we have an odd bias towards force. As opposed to actually trying to actually resolve an issue. So from our standpoint, it is perfectly okay to hire more cops, which is essentially just more violence, and to hire more, create more prisons, as opposed to actually more schools and the more programs that try to deal with those issues before you get to the point of needing the IPAM cops. I, I'm not going to rant. This is horrendous. That shouldn't take place. And when they did the... One of the things that Obama did do that was good or Eric Holder, was he had an investigation into the two killings when they murdered those kids. One was in Baltimore. I think the other one was in Ohio. And in both cases, they fundamentally showed the same thing, that both of these cases are fundamentally racist and fundamentally corrupt in the way they go about their affairs and the way they go about their policing, even in the way they go about their sentencing of human beings. Cops act this way. All throughout the country, cops act this way. They act this way in Virginia. They act this way in La Mesa. They act this way in Ohio. They act this way in Baltimore. They act this way all across the country. This is horrendous. If they're acting this way, clearly they need to be retrained. I understand some people would be like, blue lives matter, man. Blue lives matter. Blue lives matter. Not to me until black lives matter. And until other people's lives matter. And by the way, this goes beyond blacks. Like, people like to bring that identity thing up. More African Americans from a standpoint of percentages, yes. But you understand, we only make up 13% of this country. The majority of the people who are murdered by cops are white. The majority are white. Yes, there may be a larger percentage from the standpoint of blacks. But you are also being murdered and slaughtered by these maniacs. You act as if your skin is some kind of protectant. It is not. If you look at the number of murders from the standpoint of the United States compared to anywhere else in the world, you will be startled 
by the number of people we kill. We don't even know the actual number of people we kill because cops are not necessarily required to keep those stats, or at least keep those stats accurate and publicize those stats. I'm going to leave it here because I'm going to rant and rave. This angers me like nobody's business. I could do one of these a day. I remember on my Facebook pages one day, I put over 100 images of cops beating, killing, stealing, fundamentally just breaking the law or using their authority in ways that was not necessarily, let's say, designed. This is a problem. And I I gotta be honest, I'm not necessarily sure how you corral this particular problem because the society itself doesn't look at corralling this problem from the standpoint of how do we stop people from getting to the point where cops are even needed? Meaning, how do we get to the point where we don't need cops to the degree that we need cops? How do we lower the crime rate? All right, uh, welcome back to BTR News. Strong commentary there from Mr. Jamal Thomas. If you're looking for his YouTube channel, he does spell Jamal with an R. I hear him pronounce his name Jamal, but I think his mother meant Jamal. Uh, but it is J-A-M-A-R-L and Thomas. Check him out. If you come across his uh, videos published on BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com, just click on uh, the player. You can get to his YouTube channel and subscribe to his channel and throw him a few coins through his Patreon and if you are interested in interviewing him, you can also contact him through his published email information. We're going to take a short station identification break and then hit the phone lines, see if we have anybody who wants to comment on what we've heard thus far during this first hour, headed into the last hour. Telephone number 704-802-5056, 704-802-5056. Hit star, start, unmute yourself. Always watch your background noise. And speaking of donations, toss a donation to the Black Talk Media Project, which created this safe digital space for Black Thought, blacktalkradionetwork.com. So make a donation to the Black Talk Media Project. It's our North Carolina-based nonprofit helping to provide you with independent black media. Make Black Talk Radio your choice for digital black radio. New black media for the new millennium. And welcome back to Black Talk Radio News. I think we have, um, that's Ross Mike that is open. Again, that telephone number 704-802-5056. Hit star star to chime in on anything you've heard thus far on the program today. Uh, Brother Ross out of New York, did you have anything you wanted to comment on uh, during this first hour? Uh, peace and love, Brother Scotty, to all of the uh, callers and listeners as well. I'm hearing a slight echo, but I don't know where it's coming from. But, um, yeah, great show. Um, yeah, there was a couple of these. This was, a, this was really interesting. Um, first, I wanted to start with Donald Trump. Now, Donald Trump has direct ties to the Klan via his father. His father was arrested in the early 1900s at a Klan rally in Queens, New York. 
um, his father and I believe his grandfather also had ties to the Russian mob and a whole bunch of underground criminal enterprises. So his entire existence is one of outlaws, racists, and criminals. And whatever criminal activity his grandfather and father were into, he was able to transition into his old money millions that he has today. And then, of course, we know that he um, filed for bankruptcy over 18, I think 19 times. And um, that was another big way that he maintained his riches while abusing and mistreating his um, non-white subjects that worked for him. So, yeah, he's just a staunch racist. The the use of, um, when you were talking about uh, police or encouraging police so-called snitching, I like the way that you said that about codification and, and the use of words around it because that term snitching does have a very um, dirty, negative connotation. And if we're asking for officers to be honest and, like you said, to, um, to investigate and file reports, then they're not going to want to file reports if they feel like it's, it's um, something that's going to be looked frowned upon and that has a negative connotation. That's just, you know, natural human behavior. If something is, is described in a negative way, you don't want to participate in it even if it's something that's beneficial. So I think that you're absolutely correct in regards to us um, changing the words we use to describe uh, reporting, filing reports, and, and telling the truth about what these psychopaths, because that's what they are, do. You know, that's one of the main, main jobs where psychopaths uh, go to is the police force. <laughs> so um, absolutely, I agree with you on that. Now, with hey, the, Ross, um, hey, Ross, Ross, real mm -hmm. quick. Uh, Jamal Thomas was saying that these people have a job skill with their thick necks, and that's that's the job skill he talking about. Is is yeah. what's the word you just used? Sociopaths or what? Yeah, <laughs> that's their job skill. Yeah, and it's crazy because a lot of the and like you said, being that we have black people that are officers, it, it can definitely obfuscate the racist the race factor that comes into play because I know it and I'm sure a lot of other black people have seen it when you see black officers that um, are corrupt they will abuse a black person worse than a white person the white cop just to prove to the white cops that they're down with them so um, that really obfuscates the, the truth of the fact that the the black officer acts as a, a, a racist proxy and he practices the same culture white supremacy as his white counterparts on the force and then what happens is when when a black officer does the same thing that white officers get away with they don't get away with it you had that um that black somali cop from minnesota that shot that white female um i forget the complete incident that's surrounding it but from what i understand she was acting in a way that um, drew his ire and he ended up killing her and um, they what, ended up what happened Ross was is that the woman the white woman who was actually an Australian national um, mm -hmm. knocked on the yeah, car window her. where him and his partner was sitting and he just shot her in the face that's that's what happened but oh. I don't know the outcome of that of that case um, but you're right yeah. it was a Somalian immigrant or ethnic immigrant yeah, so I mean, like, it's, I just think it's just a double standard, but the, the black officer would prefer to be in good standing with the white officers because, like you said, they have to go on the shift with them. And 
other cops have nice ways of leaving you in, in life or death situations if you don't do what the, the, the blue culture of silence tells you to do. Um, so definitely, um, that's correct. As far as um, what's driving, I think part of what's driving some of these non-white officers to continue to um, facilitate the, the acts of brutality that we see perpetrated I mean, we, we've been us. doing it all throughout history, and it's not just black people, but I mean, oh, every yeah. conqueror has first conquered uh, individuals to get them to betray the larger mm-hmm. group. And so, the, you know, I've talked about the history of U.S. military soldiers right after the Civil War, these black uh, former mm-hmm. victims of slavery being used against uh, tribes like the Apache out west to clear their way for white white uh, uh, settlers. But again, though, speaking of codification, like Jamal was saying, it's more white people. When we talk about black people, we want what we're actually talking about disproportionately. We're using percentages. We're not using real numbers. We're not. We're right. not just looking at them as bodies on a on a you know body count. We're just not no. We we want we talk about the disproportionality of it all. But the big picture is is that human beings are being shot by this force, and mm-hmm. even though it may be disproportionately, just simple math because it's more of them equals more of them getting shot. So it exactly. seems to me when we frame it as a black issue, then that automatically determines in a racist nation that, that, that whiteness is not going to care about a black issue. So why mm-hmm. why not turn it into an American issue? Just like I was I agree. talking about earlier about why, why, these, why these cops got to be snitching. They can just be exactly. doing their job and they're sworn to uphold the law, right? I don't exactly. I don't hear in their oaths any exclusions except for my fellow slave catcher. And if we're gonna talk about culture, that's the deep cultural root that we need to be talking about. There's no you know, we call it police culture or blue culture or pig culture. This is slave culture. This is slave mm-hmm. catcher culture. And these are slave catcher codes. Absolutely. You know, I agree with that and this Go ahead. What are you going to say? No, go go ahead. Go ahead. But I, uh, let, me, let me go ahead and share some of this article, though, right quick. Okay. Because this okay. person actually, I don't know if Ibram X. Kendi is a black person that sounds like an African name, perhaps maybe yes, Islamic sir. name. Um, but, you know, the Atlantic is known for showcasing black writers. Uh, um, I forget the other guy. Uh, he lives in France now. Uh, Ta Nehisi um, Coates um, writes for them. Okay, so, but anyway, he said it's time for police to start snitching. That's their headline. He may not have chose that headline. Maybe the editors chose the headline. But it starts off with the excerpt that communities of color are actually disproportionately likely to report crimes. It's police themselves who have maintained a corrosive culture of silence. Now, in this article, they point out, make some very good, share some very good data and information. But I kind of take issue with connecting snitching to black culture. I talked about earlier how it was made popular in gangster rap and doing the height of the crack cocaine. But that doesn't make snitching being an invention 
of the black community. It's just now being attached to us through through hip hop, you know. So, but anyway, mm-hmm. I take issue with the negative. Again, anytime you attach blackness to something, we're talking about the psychology, not the spiritual truth of it. But we're talking about the right. mind control psychology. These people are programmed not to be empathy. Let me put it this way: the dominant population. The dominant main mindset of the uh, European in or American here um, is the dominant mind, mindset is white supremacy. So anything that you, negative happening to black people is just simply not going to register with most of them. All right. So that's why I say don't even attach black to it. Don't attach snitching to it. These officers should be being officers in that they're enforcing the law first and primary. And that's including against other officers. But what they have bought into is a culture of corruption, a culture of silence that a slave catcher is not going to tell on each other if we rape these female victims of slavery before or these children before we return them to their ma- master. That, uh, you know what I'm saying? This, these are the mm-hmm. codes of the poor white. I didn't invent this code. Some people might say it's racist, but it is what it is. Scotty didn't invent it. The poor white That's trash right. class that was used to be the police, to be the slave catcher. Certainly the aristocrats, mm-hmm. the wealthy plantation owners, the ones making all the money, you know, they're not going to share true power with you, but they feel empowered by being given guns, badges, and batons and allowed to just act out on their most sociopathic impulses with impunity and rarely any accountability. So I'm yeah. just saying we shouldn't be attacked. That's not snitching. If I'm on the job, if I'm a police officer, and I really truly took an oath and I became that, because as a little boy, you know, I saw some police propaganda and he's supposed to be the good guy. So I'm going to be a real good guy. I'm in my first year, six months out of the academy. I haven't been truly inducted into that slave catcher culture yet. And I see my trainer beating up somebody. And then who am I going to report him to? Or am I going to report him? Or am I going to go to the DA's office and report this crime and ask for protection, whistleblower protection? All, all of that, but we're not seeing that to a large scale. You know, maybe five mm-hmm. cases I can think of in the decades I've been alive. But did you have any other comment? Mm-hmm. Let, let me just read this, yeah. Ross, and I'll go to you. He says, "Okay." now they make some good, because they talk about the guy in California, Mr. Clark, being shot up and them turning off their cameras. Um, Let me see. Jeff Sessions in February claimed there is no blue wall of science, silence, meaning no cops are covering for cops. So we know Jeff Sessions told police when he came into office, don't worry about those consent degrees you were forced to sign after wholesale violation of the citizens' rights that you're supposed to be protecting, but in reality are policing slave catching writing tickets and in extracting revenue from it uh but um it says it's not that we're out here a las vegas real estate investor and police watchdog claim in the las vegas sun it's not that we're all out here covering for one another 
said Sergeant Dan Hills, president of the Cincinnati Police Union. Loyalty ends with criminal activity. See, you know what I'm saying? They say all the right things like Mr. Thomas was talking about. You say that's not who we are, but that's exactly who you are. That's what the evidence exactly. said. Since the 1980s, police officers have grumbled of a growing no-snitch culture, not within their own race, but outside their blue wall in black and Latino neighborhoods. I have been in hospital rooms, even on the street, standing over somebody being loaded into an ambulance, and they refuse to talk. And you think, what in the world are we here for, Sergeant Mike Huff said recently in Tulsa. But you know this violence is going to spread. Now, in the article, and I link to it, it goes into how the news media propaganda and these cops try to say that all this violence is going on in the black community and nobody's coming forward because of this no snitching culture. But according to the data, black people actually call the police more than any other demographic and report this crime so when they talk about well what about chicago uh, does black lives matter in chicago and all this kind of propaganda talking points and rhetoric then you know the data mm-hmm. says that we call the police on each other more than anybody now you know i feel like and i've witnessed it here recently even among my own family members calling the police on on a family member for a non criminal like you getting the police to come out here and mediate for you non-criminal offenses like a dispute over a truck or something like something you need to go to court to resolve or go to family elders and resolve you calling the police and it's funny oh go ahead and you know so that's silly stuff but no when somebody murders Somebody right in front of my face or I look out the window and see them. You should come forward. You should report it. Put these kids' lives in danger. Just anything. Black folks call the police. The fact that you still have some of the largest uh, um, statistics of violent crime, which, of course, is connected to the poverty and all that. But then you have these concentrated police forces in they getting all these calls, but so why the violence ain't been going down, but the violence actually has been going down. As I had talked to um, someone the other day about police uh, crime statistics. We were talking about on New Abolitionist Radio. Past 20 years keep going down. So, so I mean, we just have to really be careful of the propaganda. So it's not that the black community isn't reporting crime. That's that's the the propaganda picture they want to paint. That black people don't care about other black people shooting up the neighborhood and killing kids and all this. They don't even tell say nothing. That's true. That's not true according to this article. And I had to dive deeper into the data. But for now I'm assuming that that's true. But look at all of these videos we see, like Mr. Thomas was saying, and I've said to myself, man, I could publish a video every day of a police slave yeah. catcher violence incident, whether it's video or whether it's just a still image or a victim making their own video telling you after the fact what happened or recording somebody dead 
in the car next to them after, you know, what happened to uh, Mr. Castile. So, mm -hmm. the, these are thugs. Like Mr. Thomas was saying, these are criminal. These are criminal organizations. Ross, did you have any comments? Yes, yes, um, absolutely. Um, yeah, the calling the police on family members, I've seen that. And I, I just said it on Tuesday on our show. You know, I said that we, you know, our people are conditioned to always sanction the help of the enemy to mediate our problems. And sometimes they might, you might call the cops and you end up getting killed because they just think you black, you the criminal. You know, um, I remember that what, what you're talking about reminds me of something that I learned from Dr. Ben when I was really, really young. I remember um, there was a homeless guy in Harlem that used to walk the streets not too far from where um, Dr. Ben lived. And on actually two occasions, this had happened, but on the, the guy was mentally ill, and he had beat Dr. Ben within an inch of his life. Now, Dr. Ben didn't fight him back because he knew he was mentally ill, and he was hospitalized, and he never called the police. And in the lecture, he was asked why he didn't call the police. He said, I will never call my enemy my colon former colonial master to ever mediate a problem that I have with another black person. And when he said it, it was like a light bulb went off. Because in my, in my family, we never really call the police. I'm going to call like the police on you, Ross. If you come up in my yard getting violent with me, because I know if oh. I get violent with you and I, and, and, and I put you in a hospital, Okay, mm -hmm. that I'm going to get arrested. Somebody going to call the police when you go to the hospital and they ask you what happened and you tell them that Scotty Reed just beat me uh, to inch of my life with a baseball bat. You know, so I don't agree with Dr. Ben allowing himself to be beat up by a mentally ill person oh, I didn't, to the yeah, point I don't, I didn't agree of being with that put after. in a hospital. I agree with him not wanting to have the situation y Yeah, but but. With but me, that person got to be go somewhere, though, because then he's yeah. going to attack somebody else. So, yeah, because, go ahead. I'm sorry. So I, I'm just saying, I'm not, I'm not one of those under no circumstances do I call the police. For example, mm -hmm. I saw a black person who it looked to be acting very suspicious. I had never seen him before uh, mm -hmm. breaking into the church next door, the black church next door. You know, because people break into churches, man. They even steal the stuff, the copper wiring yep. from the AC unit. So I call the police. It's not my job to put myself in danger. I don't know if this person is armed or not. That's I'm, That's not my right. responsibility to put my life on. I will call the cop, though, and I did call the cop. And it turned out to be the new pastor who didn't come to introduce himself and who was acting suspicious when he seen the cop come through there the first time and, you know, sneaking and peeping around the corner, looking like, you know, and then he got his truck there. Churches get robbed. Yeah. So I'm going to call the police. You know what I'm saying? In certain certain circumstances. But if I got a, tr a truck that my father left me, but my sister don't want to sign the paper over because we're both heirs and it wasn't, you know, specified who get what truck or who get this vehicle. But my sister already took one vehicle and I want this truck. And so I'm driving the truck 
She know I'm driving the truck without a proper registration, and I'm a and and my sister threatened to call the police on me, and report me because yeah, that's, that's I won't give her the truck. Man, that's that's some silly stuff. And I had mentioned on my on uh, Tando the other day about this dude um, contracting with me for some service. We discussed the service. He pays for the service on agreed upon price, but in order to extract a deeper discount from me, he threatened to to just cancel it all. But there's no cancellations in the contract. You still got to pay. So his only option was to tell PayPal that somebody fraudulently used my card. Okay, but then that turns out not to be true. And so now you committed an interstate commerce crime by by you lying. Yep like that so that brings the feds in it so paypal didn't yep, call them but the paypal it. told me to call the police on them call the fbi on them i said no i'm not going to be responsible for a person going into slavery that's be that's because it was non-violent and i got restitution i got justice so there was no need for me to then seek retribution i got justice by getting paid no sense of me exacting retribution by saying now I'm gonna make you pay by going to prison. So, so I agree with that. With that caveat, right? No, no, no. I feel you on that because with me, I just handle, handle it personally. If I have a problem with someone, I'll step to you. Or I'll call you or whatever, and we deal with it. And either you know, afterwards, I don't deal with you again. But I'm not sitting there to take no physical abuse from anybody. That's just not my pedigree. And I'm not saying, um, you know, that that's always a good thing, but that's just not how I'm built. <laughs> you come at me with that. I'm going to lay you down. I'm not playing. But, the, you know, the interesting part, too, when you were talking about um, snitching, because originally for black people, snitching, the, the, the idea of stop snitching, I don't, I don't think it was necessarily called that, started with the slaves that would tell on other slaves that were planning to either escape from the, from the plantation or to revolt. And, you know, you had the slave that would go tell Master, hey, Master, they planning this, that, and the third on such and such a night, you know, and then everybody gets hanged. Yeah, you know, snitching they, is a fairly modern word, man. They they wasn't right. they wasn't using the word snitching. But, yeah, it Absolutely. was one or two. It wasn't a hundred. It wasn't a thousand. But it was one or two who got scared or saw right. opportunity for them to get there. It wasn't a whole bunch of people you know, that was doing Absolutely. This. Now, the funny part about how, how modern uh, black folks, as far as, like, recent history, this, this, this concept was attached to us is very interesting because this is something that I've talked about and I even wrote about coming from a hip-hop background and, and writing for online hip-hop publications before I was an editor for one. And the funny part about it is with us, um it really started from watching gangster flicks. When you would watch, you know, show movies like The Goodfellas or Scarface and, you know, or, you know, or just following the mob history in New York City. Yeah, watching the movies, concept, man. They talk yeah, about that, snitching. Absolutely. That concept of not snitching, we got it from, from white folks, from the mob. And um, it was... A, it was always understood when I was when I was young because that's that's basically what you're talking about is something that I lived and we lived through when I was coming up, and the whole idea was that if you into criminal activity and you doing something criminal with another person, and one of you get caught, you're not supposed to tell on your partner. You just eat that. 
And that, that's how right. it was orchestrated when I was coming up. And it just slowly spread into this whole thing about just never, t- never telling the cops anything. And um, the, the crazy part is that it's really us, because even when you look at hip-hop, you can go back to like the, um, the, 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 the era when Big was alive. And you had Wu Tang. They had a, um, it was uh, Raekwon and, and Ghostface that had what we 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 call the purple tape, only built for Cuban links. And it was all about you know gangsterism, not snitching, all of that. Then you had Big. He was calling himself Frank White, and orchestrating that whole mafioso persona. You had Nas with the whole Nas Escobar. So everybody was all all had their own idea of what their version of the mob looked like. Then you had Tupac and, and Suge on the West Coast, you know, doing their whole gangster thing. And that is where it became popular. And because black culture in the form of hip-hop is America's greatest export next to white supremacy, that's how it became attached to us. And even police officers were influenced by the, the all-pervasive nature of how infectious our culture was. So they even they adopted that idea, but we uh, no, they didn't adopt that idea, Ross. These people have been doing that going back to the 1600s, and and oh no, 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 I'm talking about the what I'm talking about is the um the way that it the way that they're presenting it now. Like when you were talking about with the yeah, I don't want to present it as snitching. (laughs) They're not snitching. It's them incorporating that. Not saying that that it started with you know, with the modern era, of course it goes back to its origins, but I'm talking about the way that it's being presented, like in, even in that article, they're saying that cops need to snitch. So they're taking that term that we took from white people and now are adopting it and using it with the same negative connotations to say that police really need, like you said, to do their job. Your job is to enforce the law. Your job is to make sure people are not mistreated, supposedly. You know, I know that your origins are slave catching, but, the, but this is what they propagate today protect and serve and all of that stuff. So if that's the case, then if you see an officer doing something illegal, you as an officer should be saying something and writing up something and making yeah. sure that person is properly reprimanded for what they've done. Um, and uh, I mean, they say that citizens, they say citizens can exact citizens arrest if they see somebody brutally beating a woman or, or see a man be- mm-hmm. The citizens can tackle that guy and hold him down until... The authorities get there. So if you can do citizens arrest, how come cops can't arrest each other? It's not that they can't. It's that they're they just simply won't. They are not doing it. So but listen, I got to go on the other side. Man, I appreciate you uh, chiming in, Ross. But I want to bring in some more topics. Hey, greetings to you, Strategic Melanin. And um, others who may be in the chat room. Remember, you can also chat with us this last uh, half hour of the program today at uberconference.com slash Black Talk Radio Network. You can always chat during all the live broadcasts. Um, if you you know are shy about calling in on the phone, you can type in the question or, or make a comment. So, uh, 704... 802-5056 hit star start unmute yourself uh, strategic me- uh, no uh, Chris says in the chat room a rat was the first term yeah you dirty rat I remember watching them old gangster movies Italian gangster movies and I think the dude name was Richard Cagney or, or something like that 
Yeah, well, yo, you dirty rat. You ratted me out to the coppers and, and what have you. So, yeah, probably rat proceeded snitching and what have you. So, just some background on American culture. All right. So, when we come back, though, I want to get into Donald Trump, this white nationalist. He's, it's, he's a white nationalist. Now, Ross talked about his father being in the Klan and being arrested for rioting as a Klan, Klan member should have been deported back to Ireland, if you ask me, if the, if if he was treated the way his son Trump is treating immigrants today. So uh, his father Fred Trump should have been put on a boat and shipped right back to Ireland, but it didn't happen happen that way. But Trump is staying true to his right white nationalist roots. And again, David Duke said that Trump made certain promises to the white nationalist community. I don't know how he did it. If it was some secret communications, if they did it through a VPN, I, I don't know. If it was word of mouth, I don't know. But that's what David Duke said, that Trump made certain promises. Well, Obviously, they got to be talking about something political. What would one politician, former politician in David Duke, want? What was he advocating for when he was running for, I think it was senator in Louisiana? What was he, what was his, make America great. Make America great again. America first, those same slogans. So Trump has nominated this guy and this guy's name is let me pull his name up again Ronald W. Mortensen who is a fellow with the anti-immigrant hate group Center for Immigration Studies he has been nominated to the position of Assistant Secretary of State for the Bureau of Population Refugees and Migration and by the way Credo Action put out a petition which I posted in the link, shared it on our social media account, signed a petition. Trump picks racist hate group fellow and white nationalists to oversee refugee settlement. And so again, this is months after Trump has, has asked the question about immigrants from Haiti, Somalia, other uh, African nations. And well, why are we getting all these people from these asshole countries? And expressing a preference for white. Don't y'all remember when he said that? Let me get to btrcommunity.com. Um, we played a promo for B btrcommunity.com earlier. Let me get there because I posted a video of Donald Trump making his asshole comments. And also it was reported that he asked, why can't we get people from more people from countries like Norway, Nordic people, white people, Aryan people, Germans, French, British, Australian, anything but these Afro-descendant people or these black people, these melanated people. Come on, where is BTR uh, community.com? Oh, I'm already there. Let me uh, log in right quick, although you don't have to log in. The thread for today's show is public. But let me get there so we can hear Donald Trump in his own words. 
Okay, hear him in, in, in his own words. Just waiting on the videos to load up. We're going to talk about John Tanton. Looks like I'm going to have to open this browser up all the way for the video to load properly. Let me just open this up on YouTube. Here we go. Loading it up on YouTube. I believe this is this clip. If I got the right one, is him. Talking about immigration. And now he has nominated a white nationalist who has a background from an organization uh, that was founded by eugenicists. A person who believes in putting uh, sterilizing certain, you know, types of people, black people, that hold what they attribute to the Nazis, but what began here in America is where it really began. Come on, um, YouTube, don't lock up on me now with these ads and stuff. I hope y'all can still hear me okay. It is just about to add, uh, Y'all can go ahead and skip it now. Let's go ahead and skip that and get some volume here. The White House isn't denying it. For now, Donald Trump isn't talking about it. But plenty of others have something to say about Donald Trump's crude remarks about immigrants. Reports say the headline-making remarks happened during a meeting on immigration in the Oval Office. As you can see, some newspapers are printing the quote, others keeping it out of the bold print. A kind of split is happening, too, with television stations and networks, some suggesting parents hit the mute button if children are watching, too. So we want to let you know Paul Hunter does say Trump's remark. To begin our coverage, here he is. When talk turned to Haiti and countries in Africa at that meeting, he apparently said, this is a quote, why are we having all these people from shithole countries come here? You can't dance around it. Those are the words of the president of the United States. It brings back to the fore the suggestion he is not only contemptuous, but racist. He apparently suggested he prefer immigrants from places like Norway. The White House has not denied these words. In fact, here's what a deputy White House press secretary said. Certain Washington politicians choose to fight for foreign countries, but President Trump will always fight for the American people. Reaction has been swift and blunt. A Republican lawmaker, a daughter of Haitian immigrants, called it unkind, divisive, elitist, and flying in the face of our nation's values. Paul Hunter in Washington. As it happens, today is the eighth anniversary of the Haitian earthquake, the disaster that led to Haitians being given special status in the U.S. Trump's move to end that status has sent thousands of Haitians across our border last year. Now, Haiti's ambassador to the U.S. says Haiti vehemently condemns Trump's remarks. He did so in a report on PBS, calling them based on stereotypes and adding, quote, either president has been misinformed or he is miseducated. The Haitian government is reportedly formally summoning a U.S. official to explain what the president said. Now, that is a report if i can get a look at the date that was actually earlier this year i said a couple of months ago but back in january of this year remember trump said that now here we are what six about six months later and now he's promoting a white nationalist trying to put a white nationalist 
into a position concerning immigration and population control. Again, let's give out, you know, the uh, the information. Let me see what did I write about about this guy, Mortensen, who is a fellow for the Center for Immigration Studies. Um, again, Ron, Ronald Mortensen, all right, and he's been nominated to become the next Assistant Secretary of State for the Bureau of Population, Refugees, and Migration. So this is what the Southern Poverty Law Center had to say about this appointment. Trump Taps Hate Group fellow Ronald Mortensen for important posts dealing with refugees. On Thursday, President Trump nominated Ronald W. Mortensen, a fellow with the Anti-Immigrant Hate Group Center for Immigration Studies, for Assistant Secretary of State for the Bureau of Population, Refugees, and Migration. And I'm going to keep stressing population because of the background of this organization that he comes from. People talk about Nazis, but the Nazis got their eugenics ideals from America. The Bureau's mission is to provide protection, ease suffering, and resolve the plight of persecuted and uprooted people around the world on behalf of the American people. It's just so ironic that most of that uprooting is because of the American people not putting a leash on their government. Uh, if approved by the Senate, Mortensen will be the fourth individual from an anti-immigration hate group to join the Trump administration. So, wow, he ain't the first. He will be the fourth. So, you are te technically being correct and you're not exaggerating when you say that Donald Trump has a white nationalist administration with a white nationalist agenda. Mortensen's former colleague, longtime CIS staffer John Fear, left CIS in 2017 to take a position as a senior advisor to Immigration and Custom Enforcement Director Thomas Holman. CIS was founded by white nationalist John Tanton, who wrote in 1993, I've come to the point of view that for European American society and culture to persist requires a European American majority and a clear one at that. Population control. Who controlling whose population? Non-white people. This is why, you know, uh, going back to the excellent program that was done on Real Life Radio this past Tuesday night. Check out the podcast found on Black Talk Radio Network. Is when I hear black people expressing white supremacist ideology when it comes to concerning uh, biracial children or, or mixing with white people. That is rooted in this this racial ideology, racial purity advanced by Americans, influenced the Nazis, gave rise to Hitler. Okay, and this so they don't want this mix. I often hear people say, "They, they who they well the system is putting all of these biracial people on television because the system trying to." dilute black people when that's just mathematically impossible given the global uh when you're looking at the global population they're like a drop of milk in a sea of coffee so if anybody's gonna get diluted 
it would be them and white nationalists, white supremacists, American Nazis, or wherever they may be in the world, they know this. And why they exterminated such people. But this is what they, they teach. This is why they came out with abortion. This is why the American eugenists promoted abortions and, and um, sterilization. They, you know, it didn't start with the Nazis. It started in America. And some of the practices are still in existence. As, and you see that you have these people who hold these beliefs today in positions of power. Again, CIS was founded by white nationalist John Tanton, who wrote in 1993, I'll come to the point of view that for European American society and culture to persist requires a European American majority and a clear one at that. That's why Donald Trump is clearing out all of these people from South America. doesn't matter that you destabilize their homes, that you put uh, guns all on the street, flooded their countries with with weapons for the cartels, even cutting deals with cartels to allow them to smuggle dope to America, creating all this instability just like you're doing in Africa, like you're doing in other parts of the world. And then you want to blame them for coming here, but he's rounding them all up and he wants to build a wall to keep more of them from coming here, seeking asylum from all this violence, okay? So he's appointing people with this ideology to key positions within his government. In 2014, SPLC continues to report, in 2014, a senior CIS staffer said of President Obama, I would think being hung, drawn, and quartered is probably too good for him. Wow, man, I was just mentioning that over several shows of uh, the treatment of victims of slavery. Hung, drawn, quartered. This is what people was doing that you now are told, uh, you know, we got these old World War II veterans. This popped into my mind for some reason. We got these old World War II veterans and they'll even bring them to the football games or to a basketball game. So anywhere and then you're supposed to salute them and stuff. Look, these are the people that was hanging, drawing and quartering black people, Native Americans, non-white people. Terrible violence that preceded the Nazis and inspired the Nazis. And then you wanna you want to praise these World War II vets, these white ones, these European ones for what? Um let me go let me tell y'all a little bit about this guy and we'll take some final comments. Again, we got about 10, 12 minutes left. Scotty Reed sitting in with BTR News for Tando, which Dave couldn't be on the air today, but um, we'll open up the phone lines. But let's talk a little bit about this guy named John Tanton. John Tanton, this is his profile. John Tanton, he is the one that founded the Center for Immigration Studies. He also founded Numbers USA. I didn't know that. They had a, a real big, um, impressive online um, operation where you call 
these numbers on specific issues and they connect you to these congressmen, telephones or what have you. They, and they're, you know, you have a lot of that now, but I remember Numbers USA uh, had some of that early software that allowed that to do that over the internet um, so people could easily, you know, call Congress or different people in Washington, D.C. when they want to do a phone campaign to put pressure on them to vote a certain way. So I didn't know John Tatton was connected to Numbers USA. And he's also the founder of, he created... Uh, the Federation for American Immigration Reform, also known as, quote, unquote, get this, FAIR. <laughs> Words, man. And it says that they have profoundly, they, all three of these organizations he created, the racist architect, as SPLC calls him, have profoundly shaped the immigration debate in the United States. So when you hear Donald Trump calling people rapists, animals, dehumanizing terms, refer, you know, as if individuals aren't committing these crimes, but you want to tie that to an ethnicity. John Tanton, it's coming from John Tanton. It's coming from his, his school of thought. John Tanton, a retired Michigan, uh, let me see, orthomologist, he has white nationalist beliefs and has written that to maintain American culture, a European-American majority is required. As of 2010, Tanton served on FAIR's board of directors. In his own words, I've come to the point of view that for European-American society and culture to persist requires a European-American majority, and a clear one at that. That was in a letter dated December the 10th, 1993, to the late Garrett Hardin, a controversial ecology professor, uh, goes on to say, and this is in quotes, I have no doubt that individual minority persons can assimilate to the culture necessary to run an advanced society, but if through mass migration, the culture of the homeland is transmitted, transplanted from Latin America to California, then my guess is we will see the same degree of success with governments and social institutions that we have seen in Latin America. This was a letter in 1996. That's, that's during the Clinton administration. A uh, letter to Roy Beck, executive director of Numbers USA and then an employee of Tanton's Foundation, U.S. Inc. Man, he had a foundation called U.S. Inc. I call it USA Inc. But, uh, you know, USA Inc. was already taken, so he had to take U.S. Inc. But think about what he's saying here. Okay, think about what, what he's saying. He is, again, not acknowledging that the United States have destabilized these governments, he's talking about in Latin America, have corrupted these governments, have robbed the people of their natural resource, is exploiting them, and then you want to blame them for being failed states when that's what you caused them to be. Blaming you, that's like me punching you in the eye. You got a big old black swole eye, might be bleeding a little bit. And then I say, well, it was your fault <laughs> that I punched you in your eye and did all that damage to you. That's what they... they they're blaming the it's classic victim blaming here. All right, it goes on, and, and it's just flat out racist as well. Do we leave it to individuals to decide that they are the intelligent ones 
who should have more kids. See, he's talking about eugenicism right now, eugenics. Do we leave it to the individual to, to decide? And now he's debating whether or not an individual, a human being, has the right to decide whether or not they're going to procreate. Wow. This is a fascist. This is what ideology that's most closely associated with the Nazi party. That's because the American public and the rest of the world don't know the Nazis' policies were adopted from America. Nazis ain't the standard bearer. Tell the truth, shame the devil or devils. Uh, it goes on, man. Says that um, he has spent, this is some of his background. I'm not going to read the rest of his quotes. It was only one more, but I'm not. I'm going to skip that one. A retired Michigan uh, ophthalmologist, John Tanton spent decades at the heart of the white nationalist movement. I bet David Duke can tell you something about him. His racist views were false, first exposed in 1988 when a series of private memos he wrote for principals at the Federation for American Immigration Reform, FAIR, once again, the word FAIR, they're being FAIR, were leaked to the press. The memos were filled with racist statements and warned about a coming Latin onslaught. Tanton's white nationalist views are fully exposed in his private papers at the Bentley Historical Library at the University of Michigan. Again, this guy's still alive. He lives in Detroit. And his foundations are still going strong and he's on the board of them. And one of his quote-unquote Fellows, one of his acolytes, one of his students has been nominated, excuse me, <coughs> has been nominated, the guy's name is Ronald W. Mortensen, to become the next Assistant Secretary of State of the United States for the Bureau of Population, Refugees, and Migration. Wow. And it's not hidden. Ain't no hidden hands. These Donald Trump's hands. These are the hands of John Tatton. These people are the we they have names. They have addresses. They have phone numbers. These are not men lurking around in the dark or women lurking around in the dark with with long robed velvet hoodies on. Involved in some secret dealings in some secret chambers, man. They do this stuff in the open. Or behind the doors of their registered corporate entities. Wow. So this is the this would be the fourth uh white nationalist to join Trump's administration if Mortensen is confirmed by the Senate. Got about five minutes, six minutes to go. Ross, did you have any final comments for us as we get ready to close it out today. Hoping everyone has had a productive week and uh, we'll head into the weekend taking care of whatever they need to take care of. But uh, yeah, Ross, did you have any yeah. comments for us? Hey, hey, peace and love, man. Um, Yeah, I think something that you said that was very, very important is um, when you were talking about 
uh, black people that have white supremacist leanings in the way that they speak and the way that they think. Um, I think that's something that we have to really, really, really pay, pay close attention to because it's something I'm seeing more and more of. Um, just like you were saying earlier about, um, excuse me, about uh, the corruption of the political leaders in, that represent us in, this, in the political system, the, the black so-called political leaders that they, you know, put in those places to facilitate whatever they want to do to further subjugate us, but they look like us, proxies, as you would call them. And, um, you know, I've heard some black people on radio, other radio shows just demonizing Africa as if Africa is the worst place and it's so corrupt and, like, like if it's not a planetary issue. And, the, again, it's just victim-blaming by another victim. Um, same thing with the the um, the you know so-called mulatto question. The the ideologies are identical, but then some of these same people will call themselves counter racist, and I'm just like that's laughable to me when you sound like the very people that you claim to be against. And 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 sadly, <laughs> not many of us are thinking when we listen to this stuff. We just accept it. You know, they say these things, and we'll jump on the bandwagon. Some of us. And, and, and prop them up as if, as if they said something profound. And all I'm thinking of is all you got to do is have, you know, the, 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 the dominant colonizer have the same ideology about us and the same mentality that you have with so-called mulattoes or your attitude towards Africa so-called versus over here and that sort of nonsense would be the same, be in the same situation globally because we all have been betrayed in some form or fashion. And, when you're talking about separating a group of people or treating them in a certain way because of their parentage or anything of that nature, even though they're non-white victims, you you nothing but, you know, a, a black-white supremacist. <laughs> that's why I made a joking statement that said Clayton Bixby, and that's immediately what I think of. You know, hey, just, when just you mentioned that the last time. And functions like the enemy does, and then, again, it's a fifth columnist mentality when you're walking around propagating yourself as a counter-racist or, or an abolitionist or anything anti the system, but yet you're saying the same stuff that Donald Trump would say. Hey, Ross, That's all I wanted to say. you mentioned uh-huh. Clay, uh, uh, Clayton Bigsby, the character invented by, and I would say that there are real historical um, Dave Chappelle based that on some other stuff, but... When you mention that, now, Clayton mm-hmm. Bigsby, the story of Clayton Bigsby, again, is entirely fictional, but it reminded me of what you said on your program, uh, Real Life uh-huh. Radio, about the mulatto question, nurture versus nature. And yeah. so in that skit that um, um, what's the comedian Dave Chappelle did with Clayton Bigsby, he's a blind black man who was raised since he was a child in a a home, I forget, what do they call those type of homes that they live in? Where group, group home. home. Yeah, group home with all these other orphan kids in the orphanage. And right, he's orphan, blind yeah. and he doesn't know he's black and and the, and the administrators tell all the other children, don't tell Clayton he's black, you know. So he grows up thinking he's white and he's hearing all this white racist ideology and and so he thinks he's white, and then he becomes the black-white supremacist. Yes. So don't you think that speaks to nature versus nurture? 
Without question, um, there's a proverb that I read before on Melanated Roots. It was from an essay that I wrote called The Lion and the Wild Boar. And briefly, just to let you give context, the, the story is basically about a, a clan of wild boars who kidnap a lion cub, and they raise it to think it's a boar, and they use it as a sentinel. So anytime they go out grazing on the African savannas, they have this lion that's able to spot other lions and warn them so they can escape to safety before being killed. And one day, the, the, the lion surprised yeah, the wild minutes, boars. Yeah, two minutes, Ross. Got to wrap it up in two minutes, man. Don't okay, mean to sure, interrupt sure. you. So, so one day they're surprised by the, by the lions, and the wild boars hide and lock the, the cub that they raised out. And the cub is terrified of the lions, thinking they're going to kill him. And, and they're laughing at him, saying, like, you one of us. I don't know what the problem is. He said, see the boys, the ones who, raised, who you thought were your people? See how, they, how they, you know, they locked you out and left you basically with your behind to the wind? And I'm like, that's the mentality. That, that, that's the nature versus nurture. That is the same mentality of a, a black white supremacist. You're going to make these statements and then you go to work and get abused by white people all day. Or you, or you get mistreated by some, some, some white person in the street somewhere. But yet you're walking around with the same ideologies against your own people. That's all I wanted to say. I'll mute my line. All right, Ross. Well, we want to thank you for chiming in to BTR News today and sharing your thoughts with us, those who stopped in on uh, Black, uberconference.com slash Black Talk Radio Network. Dave will be back Monday, I'm assuming. I believe the plan is for Dave to be back with Tando Radio Show Live Monday evening at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, the way I do it with BTR News, you never know. I might put out a podcast, write an article, share a video of something that has happened and, and you know, add some background information to it. But you can follow me at Black Talk Radio News with Scotty Reed on BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. Subscribe to the podcast. You'll also get alerts if I ever do decide to, I got time to do a live broadcast or, you know, sit in on some time. Uh, that needs to be filled. So with that said, as we bring a conclusion to this program on this Friday evening, be safe out there. Slave catches everywhere. Every day they brutalizing somebody if they not killing somebody. And this is a culture that is rooted in slavery. That That's what it's rooted in. It's not rooted in anything else. It takes on uh, it intersects with other issues like racism and what have you, but the root here in America is slavery. It's slavery, and and we got to recognize that this is slave catcher culture. This isn't police culture. That's to suggest that it's something new. It's something very old. It's something very evil, and it remains with us. So we got to be careful behind these enemy lines. I'm not saying we got to be cowards, but we got to be careful behind these enemy lines. All right, y'all be safe out there. Peace and blessings to all.